0: You can go ahead and be seated. And this time we go into that message and scripture portion of our worship. And our message today comes from the epistle we've been following, 1 John chapter 4, verse thirteen, twenty-one. And this is what John writes. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he does not for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God will also love his brother. I want you to think for a moment about something that you are really passionate about. Maybe it's political, maybe it's not, but something that you love others for, the way that you actively want others to to have something in their lives. Imagine you're in a conversation sharing your passion and all of a sudden somebody else whether it's respectfully or whether it's rudely disagrees with you and now you're scared you defend your position you defend your thought process and then they defend theirs next thing you know you're in a heated argument anger starts to come out at each other and a couple hours later you're not on speaking terms anymore. And the devil celebrates because he has turned us to hate our brother. Because the height of hatred is the opposite of love. It's not not that heated debate. The height of hatred is an apathy where we ignore our brothers. This year... We've seen that happen so many times in our world, so many times. And the first domino that falls is that our love becomes a self-preserving fear. John speaks into this context of our lives in our scripture reading today. And he shows us that Satan doesn't win. That our love shouldn't be turned into fear, but rather that our God actually replaces self-preserving fear with a passionate love for others. In this scripture passage, we will see how God casts out our fear so that we can actually fearlessly love each other. And the first domino that God pushes to to bring all of this into being is giving us His Holy Spirit. And so that brings us back to where we were last week. The very first verse in this passage starts off where we left off last week. By this we know that we abide in Him. This 4 verse 13 looks a lot like 3 verse 21. Twenty-four, And the evidence for that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit active in our lives. But as we look at this verse and we, we see that the evidence is the Holy Spirit, how do we know that we have the Holy Spirit? How does that actually give us assurance and confidence that we know He abides in us? When I was 12 years old, I read the parable of the sower for the first time by myself. And as soon, and if you haven't read the parable of the sower, go ahead and go home and read that. But as soon as I got through it, I was convinced that I was the seed that fell on the path. I was the seed that Satan must have snatched up because when I looked at my life, I, I saw sin that terrified me. And when I looked at the things I did, I said, there's no way the Holy Spirit would actually want to dwell in me. And as I went through this kind of first crisis of my faith, it began to feel when I was praying that nobody was listening until eventually a wise pastor once told me that if you're worried whether you have the Holy Spirit or not, it's the holy spirit who convicts you to worry. And in this passage John actually gives us an even more firm assurance to know that we have the holy spirit because the holy spirit doesn't come by some ecstatic experience but the holy spirit comes from hearing comes from hearing the apostles' message. As John says, we have seen and testified. And then you believe it and confess. You know that you have the Holy Spirit. If you hear the gospel message of Jesus, believe it and then confess it. And if you haven't heard it before, hear it now. That God loved you so much that when you were still an enemy to Him, caught in sins, caught in your selfishness, caught in all of your mistakes, He sent His one and only Son to die for you to repair that broken relationship so that He could come and be with you with all of His holiness. And by that, The Holy Spirit comes into us, gives us faith, and that faith expresses itself in confession. Every service that we have here, we confess our faith using the same creeds over and over and over again. But those creeds aren't empty words. Those creeds are evidence to us of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us as we speak that confession again that Jesus is the Son of God. And those words live themselves out through our actions in our lives. And it's by this, by this confession that we know God's love for us. Because it's by this confession that we know the Holy Spirit is in us, that we know that God abides in us. And God is love. And let's not skate over that phrase too quickly that God is love. Because that phrase is, for one, it's the key to interpreting everything that John writes after this about love. But two, that phrase God is love is just so incredibly profound. Pastor Arp often refers to god to love as God's core attribute. God is a lot of things, and, and the scriptures list a lot of attributes for us. He is merciful, He is just, He is good, He is gracious. But all of those things of God are expressed through His core attribute, which is love. God is the source of all love. He created this world out of love. Every time we see a true, pure love in this world, God is behind it. And we take that love of God so often in our lives and, and we twist it and we corrupt it. And this world is a big fan of love, but, but being in love. And, and this world is is so worried about being in love and, and and the conception the world has of love is that love is, is this string of fickle emotions that changes and shifts with the times. In the world, to be in love is to want to be with somebody who accepts me just the way I am with all my perfect imperfections. To be in love is to to come with a hole in our hearts and expect another broken human being to fill that hole in our hearts. From the world's perspective, to be in love is to look for somebody else to be the source of our love, to seek and receive. You know, the fact is, if you look behind the curtain of what our world calls being in love, it's not much more than emotion. And it's not much more than the things that we are driven to do already by fear. So many of us pursue in our lives to be in love or to be loved by other people because, well, we're afraid to be alone. Or, or maybe we have found a person that makes us feel loved, and we're afraid just to lose them. Or maybe, or maybe the fear is even deeper than all of that. Maybe we want somebody to love us just the way we are because we're afraid to change, or maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're afraid that we're not good enough. And ultimately, this world's perspective on love doesn't cause us to love, but it prevents us from it because it teaches us to always be seeking love and not giving. God's love is so different from that. God is not in love as the world calls being in love, but God is love. He's the source of it all, and he abides with us in perfect love. God shows this love by being in the world. By sending his son, Jesus Christ, and he loves completely fearlessly. Because sending His Son was a great risk. But Jesus comes to the world and He starts loving people fearlessly. He starts doing miracles. He starts teaching. And He starts putting His creation right again. And even though the death threats come, Jesus doesn't make His ministry too much more tame. Instead, He goes out and He continues to pour out His love fearlessly until a scared world decides to put our Lord and Savior, the author of creation, the source of all love on the cross. And it's as Jesus hangs on the cross that he says, it is finished, complete, Perfect. My love is made perfect for you here on the cross. And on the cross, Jesus shows us that his love is completely fearless. And it chases us down in this world. And Jesus would rise from the dead. He would ascend to the right hand of the Father, as we say in our creeds. But the right hand of the Father isn't some faraway location. It's a position of authority that Jesus holds even here, even in our world, even in our lives. Jesus is in this world still. Constantly sending his Holy Spirit to us, that we confess that he is the Son of God, that his love would be brought to its goal, perfected, just as it was proven perfect on the cross. God abides with us with a perfect, completely fearless love. And that perfect, fearless love casts out our fears. That perfect, fearless love brings us into a perfect relationship with God, the source of all love. And being in that perfect relationship means that I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't have to be afraid of what people might think of me. I don't have to be afraid and walk on eggshells just in case I might offend somebody. But I can boldly step out and love the people around me. I can boldly love because I don't need to to send out my love and receive just as much back. God is the source of my love. The judgment is gone. It was finished on the cross. And here I am in perfect relationship with God. And His perfect love casts out our fear so that we could fearlessly love each other. And I think back to uh, the story I heard from a good friend of mine who at the very beginning of his ministry had this this service event that he was leading at his church. And these are his words. It was a little bit over his head. He was trying to serve lunch to a little over 100 children and organize this VBS for them. And this is still while he's in college. And I remember him saying that he made more mistakes that week than in the whole three months of the internship he spent there. But the one that really stuck with him was the time he let this volunteer kind of spin out. And he had confidence in this volunteer. He, he kind of leaned on her a lot. And on the day three of the servant event, he finally made his way around her and asked her, so how are things going? And he was met with an explosion. Uh, and I don't know any of the words that were said, but, but what he shared was that this volunteer basically told him, this lady who had been a long-standing member of the congregation, that of all of the service events she had been a part of, this was the worst, and it was his fault. And he said what really stung about that interaction is he knew that everything she said was true. That he had messed up. And as he looked at that broken situation, at that broken relationship, he saw the easy way out. The easy way out would have been to just. Let it pass. To just move on. To pretend that that nothing happened. Maybe that explosion was out of place. Everything is going to be okay now moving forward. I mean, she was in the late service. He was an early service guy anyway. But the hard thing to do, the scary thing to do, would be to go to her and to try to Fix this broken relationship. The scary thing to do would be to humble himself, to to set aside his pride and to go ask for forgiveness. He decided to do the scary thing. And he decided to do that scary thing because God's love abided in him. Because he knew that no matter how this relationship turned out, his relationship with God was fixed by Jesus' perfect love on the cross. And so in this place, God's perfect love cast out all fear. And he caught her before the the late service. And he went up to her and he said, I'm sorry, I failed you. Will you forgive me? She said, yes, of course. And in that place, perfect love cast out all fear so that they were free to love each other. And in this place, perfect love casts out all fear so that we can also love each other in the same way. Because Jesus loves us so fearlessly. Amen.